When I was a kid, never had to worry about what I did. But I'm a man now, what's the plan now? Gotta move on, those days are gone now. Take me back. Uh, we wanted to tell this story today because it's the day of the Entourage movie premiere. And I thought it was a really cool story that Doug and I have been friends for 20 years, almost 18, 19 years. A kindred spirit, I consider him. I mean, I met him when we started playing ball out here. He was one of the first dudes I met. And I was there in the beginning of Entourage when it was almost not going to happen. And there were so many funny, interesting little intricacies that happened in that little period of time, that little lightning in a bottle. And you're referring to, of course, Doug Allen. Doug Allen, the creator of the show, the director of the movie, the writer of the movie, the boss of Entourage. And it's just so cool to watch something evolve like this. And tonight's the premiere, and it's going to be dope. And it's just, you know, when I met Doug, he was quitting comedy quitting stand-up and I was starting stand-up he had been in LA probably four years before me and met him we clicked on the hoop court he started showing me videos on a VCR tape of him doing stand-up and he was pretty damn funny I still remember one of his bits it was like some guys telling him come on man I got a screenplay you got to check out my screenplay you're gonna love this screenplay Doug's like please man just put mustard on my burger already (laughs) So Doug and I meet, we're hanging out, we all go through our incarnations of whatever, I do stand-up, he's a writer, he's getting engaged, he's dating his girl, and uh, I'm doing, I get a couple development deals, he comes up with this idea for Entourage, it's kind of no one... I mean, I'm swinging way forward to 10 years after we've been friends. And, and you Doug guys met on the basketball court? Met on the basketball court. Literally, playing ball outdoors at McCadden Park, Wilshire, East of La Brea. And I'll never forget, he played, Andy Weiss played, who's a writer, Rob Weiss's brother. Mike Weiss, his old, the oldest brother, who's um, very strong. I remember trying to rip the ball from his hands one time, very strong. Scott Venner was in the game. Scott Venner, who was the music supervisor for Entourage and Ballers and a bunch of other stuff. Top-level dude. Went to college with Scott. Um... Yeah, man, it all comes back to team sports in L.A. I mean, I've played, I'm not even, I'll save Leo, Leo's basketball game for next podcast. That's a whole different animal. Right. But let's just jump back to, let's jump back to Entourage because today's you, the premiere. How'd you get into that game with Doug? That is, I got into that game with Doug because Lad Vance, who's a friend, who came to my comedy show at the comedy store, wanted to be friends with me because of my comedy, who was with Chuck Pacheco, who's a good friend for 20 years, who's the man now and runs Nick Cassavetti's shit and runs Leo's life and is a manager over at Rick Yorn's company. They came to my comedy show. After the thing, I talked to him. Lad was like, yo, bro, I got a basketball game on Saturdays if you want to come play. (laughs) I came, I played, made friends. The rest is history, bro. Wow. So if I can give any of you young kids out there a tip, be an athlete of some sort. You know what I mean? Try a team sport. It'll help. And be good at what you're doing. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. My basket. If I go back and like look at the Hall of Fame of basketball men's leagues that I've been in, there's nine hundred million dollars worth of talent in this pool. 
You know what I mean? Literally. It's wild. There's it's, a billion dollars in gross receipts at the box office coming out of my basketball league. I think that's that's putting it lightly. That's an oh, oh, that's a way, way low. Way low. Leo alone is a billion at the box office. Over. Easy. Multi-billion. Multi-billion. Titan- He's got a solid game. Solid, solid game. Solid game. No jumper. Al, if you hear this ever, just no offense. You know what your jumper is. You had a solid pivot game. When Basketball Diaries, you were learning how to play, they taught you those coupled down low post moves, and you fucking ran them on everybody. And you're very strong. I'll give you that. Very strong. Physically strong. Base heavy. And not easy to move. I guarded him a lot. I don't care. Maybe weak hands. How tall is he? He's 6'1", 6'2". Oh, wow. 190. He's no punk. He'll fight you, too. You might get beat up. It's a good body for, yeah, for ball. Yeah. For men's league, that's like the ideal height. You, you're like, you know, small forward, power forward in some of the games being like that big. Yeah. Even though nobody wants to admit I'm a fucking point guard, I just happen to be 6'2". We'll <laughs> talk about that another time. So anyway, on the eve, on the day of Entourage premiere, so Doug and I, Doug, Doug writes this show, writes Entourage. Ent- HBO pays him nothing. They pay him like 20 grand maybe to write the show. I'm driving. He's got a Honda Accord, just like me. We're driving around his Honda Accord. We're going from breakfast to lunch. All we did was kill time back then. Doug loves to eat, so we just go anywhere. And he's he's skinny fat. Like he doesn't never looks fat, but he eats more than anybody either of us know, hands down. Right. So he writes Entourage, and we're driving around, and he's complaining, and he's literally saying, if HBO says, no, I'm fucking moving back to New York, I'm going to go to work with my brother, fuck it, I'm just going to go to work, i either do some Wall Street stuff or some hedge fund, I just, you know, I'm out of here, man, this is BS. <laughs> and Doug and HBO says to him, go make this show fun and funny, just make it fun and funny. He's rewritten it three, four times. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going away. He goes away to Palm Springs by himself in a cave. And listen, Doug's always been a workhorse. Always. I got to give it to him. He's always, when I was out clubbing in the, I was in the nightclubs late night, you know what I mean? Eating a tuna melt at 3 a.m., going to an after party. Nah, not Doug. He never been to a club in his life till we took him. He doesn't club. He was always working at the computer, doing his shit, knew what he wanted. Got to give him that. Uh, they say, go make it fun and funny. Doug goes away, comes back with just a simple, fun and funny script. Days later, we're rolling around. He's like, they're going to fucking make this thing. We don't, still don't know what it is. I don't know what the hell a network, I don't know what, I'm fresh out of Detroit. I don't even know what he's <laughs> talking about. They're going to make this show. Perfect. What does that mean? He doesn't know either. You know what I mean? Yeah. He had maybe had like a writing gig, got fired from Bonnie Hunt on a sitcom because he didn't get along with anybody. So we go, he, he gets the green light. Green light. Now we're going to cast Entourage. So Doug's got an office over off like La Brea in Santa Monica somewhere. He's got an office. There's no cast. No one's talking about any cast. <laughs> He's with this dude, Stephen Tompkins. I'm with him. We're talking, throwing ideas around. Larry Charles gets in the mix, who's a genius. genius. Larry Charles gets in the mix, who's like co-creator of Seinfeld. Just a wizard. And... We're sitting there and we're spitballing ideas. And Doug says to Larry, I'm, and I'm, I'm under a deal at ABC at the time for development. I'm doing a TV series. Hey, Toby McGuire is the executive producer. I'm locked into this situation. Doug says to Larry Charles, let's just put Mike on staff. That's the first thing he says. Larry goes, great. Fine with me. Good wow. with me. 
They call my agent at the time, fucking Jeff Jacobs at CAA. Mm-hmm. He says, "No, Mike, Mike can't be on staff. He's got a. He's doing a. He's doing a thing with Toby Maguire. He's locked in." Shitty fucking move on my agent's part. He should have allowed me to do whatever I wanted. I still wasn't schooled in the game enough. I wasn't educated enough to know what I should have done. So now they're casting Entourage, and Doug's like, "Yo, I hear this dude Kevin Connolly, your boy, is like perfect. He's like the perfect dude for this." And we're looking for like an Irish pit bull type of dude who's just like got balls and fucking fast moving. You got to introduce me to Connolly. I go to Connolly. I'm like, yo, you got to meet my boy, Doug. They're doing this thing on HBO. Young, come on, bro. I'm done acting. I'm done acting, bro. I'm just directing. I don't read. I don't read. Please just meet my boy, Doug. He's on the fence about it, on the fence about it. Chuck calls him. You got to meet Doug, bro got to meet Doug. They're doing this thing. It's for real. I don't know. I don't know. Wahlberg calls him. Yo, what's up, bro? You're going to go meet Doug, and here's what time you're going to meet him at. Wahlberg strong arms him to go meet Doug. Doug meets him. He's like, you're perfect. That's it. Kevin's like, fine, but I'm not reading. <laughs> he still had to read, obviously. He had to read. Doug went to war for him. I don't even know if it was a war because Kevin just had the role. And boom. Kevin's locked in. So then they don't have a Vincent Chase yet. They don't have a Vinny Chase. They don't have a star. So Doug's like, Mike, on my life, this happens. Doug's like, Mike, read for just read for us. Just read. I read the part of Vinny Chase for Doug and Stephen Tompkins, who's the dude who created it in the beginning with him, but got let go later. He was gone later. And I read it, and both of them are like, perfect. We'll just make you the guy. You're the guy. <laughs> Literally, it was like that. I was sitting on the, uh, on like a, I was sitting, I was so calm and casual about it because I just didn't think it, I didn't know what it was. And I read it and I did it and they're like, cool, you're the guy. They call my agent again, like, what's up with Mike? Swear to God. He's like, no, nah, Mike can't do it. He's doing a thing with Toby Maguire. Needless to say, I didn't do it. So Lev is representing Adrian, is a client. Adrian has gigantic bushy hair. I go to Lev's office one day. I see Adrian. I think I think that Adrian is the kid from my bodyguard. Did you ever see my bodyguard? No. I thought he was the fucking skinny kid from my bodyguard. I have no idea who he is. And he and I thought he was like an assistant. I thought he was like Lev's assistant. He was like on a computer working, skinny, messy hair. I'm like, oh, you know, here's Lev's new assistant. <laughs> no, it's fucking Adrian. Anyway, the pieces start to get assembled. I remember Dash auditions with me. Like me and Dash both auditioned. Yeah. Dash didn't get it. So it's like Connolly's assembled. Adrian's assembled through Lev because Lev is Steve Levinson, his executive producer. He repped Adrian. Jerry had done an indie movie that was really well received and Jerry fucking killed it in it. And I can't remember the name of it, but he was like this dope Brooklyn actor kid. And Doug was like, yeah, that's fucking Turtle. He's, right. he's perfect. He's perfect. So now Lev's got two dudes in Entourage. So now it's Connolly, Jerry, Adrian. And I remember Doug is trying to get to Kevin Dillon. He's like trying to get to Kevin Dillon. And Kevin Dillon is loosely based on Chuck, on our boy. If you've ever heard Chuck talk, he says the most awesome fucking ridiculous shit you've ever heard. All Dillon's lines, I don't care what anyone said, that shit is Chuck. Yo, bro, check the camera. 
yo, you think there's a problem? Play, check the cam, yo, player, check the camera. <laughs> he invents sayings that go down in history. Like, you can't even quote them. So they get a hold of Kevin Dillon. Wahlberg takes Kevin Dillon and Chuck golfing. Dillon studies Chuck a little bit. Now Kevin Dillon is Johnny Drama, and the pieces are all filled in. Then Doug fucking goes to war for Jeremy Piven. Doug was a huge fan of Piven's, and he fucking was like, and this is what I got to say about Doug, man. He's always been so clear. I always respected that. He's always been so clear in his thinking, you know, and there may be episodes you don't like or things you don't dig, but like he knows what the fuck he wants and he sticks to it. And I've seen him fight high level executive people. I've seen him battle him on the phone and I've seen him fucking smash the phone and hang up on him and throw a clicker through a wall. Like, you know what I mean? He, I got to give it to him, man. He sticks to his guns when he feels it in his gut. He doesn't fuck around. And anytime he has switched up on his gut, it didn't work, you know, and he's, he's, he's kicked himself for it. So now they got the whole thing assembled. And the show is going to go. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to be on my own show because Toby's executive producing my deal at ABC called Forever Young. We got the script. It's written. Da, da, da. I think the shit is funny and ready to go. Toby shoots it down. He just shoots it down. He's like, I got a private plane somewhere. I get an email like, nah, this isn't it. This isn't it. And he had the power move on me. And I just had no pull. And I was... I was bummed out big time because we, you know, the writers, Shipley and Bernstein, are like high level badass dudes, and they did a great job. But I came in and did my own pass on my character, and I had I had the shit solid. Like I thought I could do this. Let's do it. Right. And whatever. Toby just wasn't ready. He was in between Spider Man's. I don't know if he just didn't want to put his name on it because he didn't believe in it wholeheartedly. I don't know what it was, but it got shot down. Forever Young, that's the show that took place in Detroit. Detroit. I moved back to Detroit. I run the family scrap business. You know what I mean? Chick runs the business, who was my dad's assistant. She and I have a little love thing, blah, blah, blah. Scrap metal. Call me Fred Sanford. Whatever it was. Right. It was going to be dope. And I, you know, I, I, I dug it. So it didn't go down. So when the deal is done, they pay you a good amount of money for these things. You know, I got paid a fat check for a year. And I didn't do shit. I did nothing. So Doug's like, yo, take an office here. So he gave me an office at Entourage. Right. So it's like, I'm in the corner office. I remember my ex, Esther, she came and decorated the office, brought a plant in, picture, <laughs> the whole thing. So I had an office. I got the uh, this office. Chris Henchy is, is next to me on the left side. Brian Burns, Ed Burns' brother, is across the hall. Cliff Dorfman is in a corner somewhere. At this time, he's just doing research and shit. He's not, I don't think he's on staff yet. And Rob Weiss is down the hall. So the staff is all staffed up and ready to go. And boom, we just start fucking breaking stories and coming in and running and just involved in a writer's room. And it was my first experience in a writer's room, like a real dope, creative writer's room. Literally, Doug at the helm at a fucking whiteboard. You know what I mean? Henchy, Burns, Weiss, everybody. And I think at this time, I can't remember if Lisa Alden was on at this time or the next season. I can't remember. But she was involved too. And we were just having the time of our lives, man. Breaking story. And it was cool. I, you know, I was uncredited, but every day was read a script, punch it up, um, punch up jokes, come up with another storyline. Find out where the guys are going. What's the seasonal arc going to be? And it was just, 
it was just cool, man. It was like the time of our lives, you know, and the show was becoming sexy and cool. And next thing you know, like the hottest model chicks in the world are floating through the writer's building because sometimes there were auditions in that building. So right. they, I remember me and Doug are sitting in a fucking room after hours, like 5.30 at 6.30 at night, chilling out, about to go to dinner. In walks Miss Washington. Mm. Like literally from like the Miss America contest. In walks Miss Washington. Hi, I'm looking for Doug Allen. I don't think you are. I think you're looking for Mike Young. And Doug Allen's going to go home to his wife in about an hour. <laughs> and you're not going to look for anybody. And within 48 hours, Miss Washington was up at the comedy store watching my stand-up. Nice. Yeah. And maybe doing things. All just, kinds of you know, things. Just single mic type of shit. Yeah. There's All kinds of things. In the, in the tomb of the, in the, the In the tomb store. of the womb of the comedy store. Oh, there's so many corners. So many corners. So we're just having the time of our life, man. And Doug, listen, Doug's stressed through this whole thing because it ain't easy. Right. Running a show is a beast. And if I get a chance to run my Detroit show or if I get to run this new Kanye thing, I learned a ton from those dudes. Literally, just how to be organized, how to arc out a season, you know, how to keep the tension flowing, how to get the stories rolling, how to tell one character story, you know, for a certain period of time, where does it close out? Just how to keep it flowing. And oh, Larry Charles, he was part of the staff at that time. Right. And he was like the dude. He his office was like covered in figurines and superhero, th- you know, little dolls and shit. And mm-hmm. and he was real zen and chill and like candles lit everywhere. And all you had to do was like say, "Yo, what's Vince's arc?" And he could like weave a story verbally. Mm-hmm. He would just be like. You know, Vince is, uh, you know, the movie's going to open and it opens pretty big and then he's going to get another offer to do this movie. And then Turtle gets, you know, a little bit upset because he thinks he's out of the group and he just starts weaving in and out of this story. And you're, I'm watching him do it. And I remember thinking to myself, yeah, this is a fucking special dude right here. This is like a special brain. Uh, and then, and then Doug just fucking took the bull by the horns and just ran with this thing. And I got to watch my boy and my boys. Connolly's one of my best friends for just as long as I've known Doug, almost. Like within months, we met each other. And just to be able to watch him go from his one bedroom apartment up on La Cienega and Sunset saying, I don't act anymore. I'm just directing and I don't read to fucking, you know, a seven year run on a hit HBO series that changed his life. Yeah. And it was fun, man. And I gotta say, I hopped on like a member, like an entourage member of an entourage. Right. You know what I mean? I hung on the entourage and had more fun than you can ever imagine. I got taken to Vegas on the private plane, you know, when they did like the 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 Vegas episode. And when they I, I got flown on a private plane multiple times to New York for premieres and, and to Miami and back. And I just I just got to have the time of my life from those dudes, man. And the parties and the girls and the fucking on the set. Like the running joke was like, yo, Young's here. It must be lunchtime. (laughs) You know what I mean? I ate 400 lunches in a row on HBO. By the way, HBO, I hope we get a show together because you do the best fucking lunches. 100% they spend money on the best food. And it was just a really cool thing. And especially like in a town 
where there's so much jealousy and bitchery. There's such a bunch of fucking bitches in this town. Like, it's so hard for me not to slap dudes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, my DNA is Detroit scrap metal. Right. And I will, I fiend to slap motherfuckers a lot. But you can't. It's just stupid. But, like, in a town where there's so much jealousy, I never had that. I never felt that. I always, like, was like breathe bro like all my boys go kill it and i think that mentality needs to be more prevalent in la because it's so strange it's like there's not like i don't think there's like so much jealousy like in the plumbing industry you know what i mean (laughs) other plumbers like man this motherfucker's doing mansions everywhere this guy's got the fucking plumbing job this guy works pipe you know what i mean like it's gotta be it's such a narcissistic bitch it's a small business it's a small business it's a small business you know who owns our business ford GM, yeah, Nike, you know what I mean? They own the business, right? We're just we just we just create content. Small business that's uh, that's being broadcast worldwide just because it's just so unique. Every, right, everything is unique about the industry of entertainment. Right, you know who could buy our whole business? Whoever invented the table. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whoever invented the screw that puts these th- the brackets that put this mm-hmm. table together, they could buy our business out. It could be over in a day. Definitely. Yeah, you talk about content and the thing about Entourage is it's so iconic. It's such an iconic show. Los Angeles, you know, really getting a hold of of the time frame that it was, you know, that it came out in. I watch episodes still today and it's incredible how how the show holds up, how the storylines hold up, and it's it's wild to me how accurate Entourage actually is for a you're talking for a Hollywood tale for a Hollywood tale, and not just about like the the fiction aspects of it. I mean, there's there's multiple storylines that that happen in in Entourage that end up end up becoming prevalent in real life. I mean, there's going to be an Aquaman movie. Yeah, and this would you know they were doing that way before. There was even like a talk of those like multiple Marvel movies. I mean, I think now there's a Benicio del Toro uh, movie about the you know that's Medellin. Yeah, 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 yeah. They well, I could tell you this. I watched it happen. I mean, they were studying their shit. They had the inside within the inside. So it wasn't any fictional. Doug knew people on the inside, base characters on real people. Rob Weiss understood the inside, the inner workings. Cliff did the research of all the inner shit that was happening. You know what I mean? How to how do you create a tequila company? How do you do brand marketing? They had friends in the private jet industry, which was phenomenal at the time. Marquee Jet, two of my friends, co-founded and became part of the whole entourage movement. And they studied their business. It wasn't a free-for-all. It was they knew the game. They knew how agents worked. They knew how agents backstabbed managers. Managers backstabbed agents. They had all their tales. You know what I mean? They all came in with stories. And it's just like you hear on a show like Everybody Loves Raymond where you hear every Monday they, everybody came in with their weekend stories with their kids and their families and what happened. Let's, let's, turn, it into, you know, let's turn it into a story. And that's what they did on Entourage, you know? They based a couple stories on me. Like, oh, yeah? There was a couple on me. Yeah, like Doug, when the show got rolling, Doug Doug was like, Young, you're coming to the Playboy Mansion. Get ready. Put your robe on. Get ready. Just get ready. Be ready at 7 o'clock. He calls me at fucking 6.15. He's like, you can't go. Schwimmer took your spot. <laughs> I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. I'm fucking sneaking into the Playboy Mansion. I'm not getting dogged out by David Schwimmer. There's no way. 
So I don't know if you remember, there was like a whole Johnny drama, Johnny drama sneaking in the, into the in playroom. The book. Yeah, because the monkeys yeah. got let loose, Paulie Shore and uh, Karate Kid. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So I have snuck into the Playboy Mansion back in the day. So it became like an amalgamation of my stories. You snuck into the Playboy Mansion? Fuck yeah. When? I snuck into the Playboy Mansion before I could get in the Playboy Mansion. How? Through the bushes on the outskirts of the mansion. I, <laughs> I climbed right over that shit. And it wasn't that tough. Sorry, Hef. <laughs> I fucking was making out with fucking Miss California 06 near the monkey cage before you even knew I was in your house. I uh, I did all kinds of shit. I can't even say. That's what you gotta do in this time. No, but you, we did everything. You will say at some point. It's, at this some is, point, this is an entourage. This is entourage yeah. beginnings. I will tell you stories about Mike Young at the Playboy Mansion doing things that need to be told that shouldn't have happened <laughs> in an, in in due time. Due time. But yeah, man, we went to all, all the whole crew of the entourage did Playboy Mansion stuff. And I think some of the most fun I had with those guys was just being on set. I got to take my mom and my brother. You know what I mean? My mom, when Cassavetes did a cameo, and my mom had like a crush on Nick Cassavetes, <laughs> and she's taking pictures. And just, you know, being on set was just a lot of fun, and it was really all love. And it was like, yeah, obviously, it's stressful for those guys, like high stress. Doug was, you know, many times was just in war mode. You know what I mean? Just pulling his hair out, half crying, you know, just, just ready to kill, to fight for shit. But man, as far as me, I, as a fucking fun hanger on, punching up a few jokes and just helping where I could and just being part of the crew, I had a blast. Went to U2 concert when, when U2 did the episode. Oh, you were there? Hell yeah. That's sick. I remember that. And it was early. It was like first or second season. Second or, season. Yeah. And it was because Brian Burns was friends with Bono. Mm -hmm. And he hooked it up. And Bono gave the shout out to Johnny Drama on stage. Right. Literally, while we're there. It was bananas. Johnny Drama, Feliz Cumpleaños. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. The whole thing. Gosh. I remember the whole day. I love Entourage. One of my all-time favorite shows. Yeah. I mean, look, you probably know the stories, the seasons better than I do. I can't tell you what was when, but like, I was there. Yeah. And it was bananas. I mean, Entourage, I mean, obviously now things have kind of changed a little bit with like the binge watching, right. but... I mean, for me and my friends and even large groups of friends, Entourage was a, a reason to get together. You know, yeah. one episode I, I remember that we had like a huge party for was uh, the episode where Dom, uh, they go to the amusement park. Hell yeah. And Dom was had to walk naked through the living room. Yeah. Dom was amazing. That's my boy. <laughs> yeah. I love Dom. No, that was great. The, I don't know if you remember the Sundance of episode? course, that's an iconic thing. Yeah, crossing the, the swords, yeah. threesome. So how about this? So Doug invites me to Sundance on the plane, and he says he's got a possible room for me in, in, uh, in Park City. Right. We go to Sundance. I invite my brother. He comes. Not only does he have a room for me, HBO paid for a house for me. What? I was alone you in a gigantic, basically a huge house, and nobody was there. Nobody was talking to me. Nobody asked me anything. It was me and my brother. I'm in a giant palace in Sundance doing every inappropriate thing you should do when you're there. Oh. We're outside in the streets having snowball fights, having a blast. They're all in work mode. I don't even know if I watched a single scene get shot. <laughs> 
I just did everything in Sundance. Man, I didn't see a movie. I didn't see my boys. I was skiing. I was drinking. I was I was having fun in Sundance. Fun dance. Well, I mean, you you lighten the mood. That's what you were doing. You were yeah. They love me around. They loved having me around. That episode to me, I think that was the turning point of Entourage. Because, uh, you know, the, obviously James Cameron being in that episode. Yep. Um, that was really the first time that you got, like, the inside, inside look of, like... I mean, obviously Sundance Film Festival is enormous now, but what, what year were we talking that, that, that this Sundance episode was? Like, I have no idea, Jordy. I literally couldn't tell you if it was 06 yeah, or like, if it was 10. I don't no, know. No, I think it was... I'm, I'm pretty sure it was like in like the 06 region. Yeah. Like, so we're talking like, you know, almost 10 years ago. Yeah. So Sundance was, you know, that was very imaginative. And a lot of things that, that Entourage did, you know. And yeah. What was your timeline like of the of your contributions and, and working for Entourage? Because I know it wasn't, you weren't on the whole time, the whole series. I was, I was never on staff. I was never like a real credited writer, but I was there for two full seasons. I had an office. So first and second season, I was there from the beginning to the second end of the second season. I was there. I mean, two of my fa- I mean, two of, if not the best, uh, you know, I just read an article recently. Obviously there's a ton of entourage press out there right now. And Huge. Doug actually says that, uh, he went back and looked at the first two seasons a lot for the making of the movie. Nice. I believe that. I, uh, the first two seasons of Entourage, like just watching them, those guys like ascend. That was it. That was the ascension. That was the beautiful thing about them. Four best friends ascending Mm -hmm. in a business that's unascendable usually, you know, and they just stuck together. It was so damn cool. And that was like the vibe that you got in the early days hanging out. Right. You know, bro, Doug got the staple center to play pickup basketball. Me, Jerry, Doug, and this is when Jerry's fucking 200 pounds. Right. And Jerry's telling Doug that he was like hitting 18 points, averaging 18 in high school or some weird crazy story. But then I played against Jerry when he was 200 and I was like, this dude's got quick feet. (laughs) He's fat fast. You know what I mean? He was fast and fat. You guys are just playing ball in the Staples Center. Literally, we're playing ball in the Staples Center. Just six of us. Playing a pickup game, three-on-three in the Staples Center. They opened it for us. The relationships that Doug developed and the show developed through branding and marketing. That's Doug's on the cover of Ad Week right now. Is he? He's on the cover because of all the branding shit they did. And listen, bro, I got cases of whiskey, tequila, clothing, shoes, shirts you know what i mean i got because doug couldn't take it all so i'd go to the office and he would just be like could you just take this and it'd be six bottles of whiskey and or 11 shirts or two pairs of cool shoes doug and i nike invited us to go make our own shoe i got the nike mike youngs i might wear those tonight to the to the premiere i forgot have you seen the nike mike youngs i have yeah they're in the uh single mike sizzle oh yeah yeah should i wear those just to be like, remember these? To make a little, just a little wink, to, a little nod to Doug. Why he not? and I made our own shoes. Hey, I mean, they're the one of ones. <laughs> they're one of one. Yeah. I'm wearing them. You know that they just, 
made Entourage shoes uh, with Nike for the movie. Like, I heard that, like the Nike, the Entourage Jordans. Yeah, like the CP3 eights or something, and they got like the Entourage on like the the tongue and inside outside. What the Johnny Drama whiskey? Yeah, the Ari Gold Cadillac. They got all kinds that's, of shit going. Brilliant. On. I mean, obvi- I, the Avion thing still cracks me up. Like, who even knew of that tequila company? I, I, we knew. I knew. I knew the guys that started it. We knew the guy. I knew the guys from New York. It was the same guy, Kenny Dichter, that was involved in Marquee Jet. Right. So he had the company going, and then and Doug got the idea that Turtle gets involved in a tequila company, which was genius. Right. And that's where that all came from, and, through personal friends. But it's just like, as a fan of the show, now going out in the real world and seeing Avion billboards and Avion oh, yeah. actual bottles at the oh, yeah. clubs and stuff, it's just... That was spawned yeah. Doug from broke Entourage. that. He broke that brand big time. I don't like it as a tequila. Nah. It's too sugary. Yeah. If, if any of my boys were owners, I'd have to tell them, chill with the sugar. Mm-hmm. Go taste Don Julio 1942. You'll see what's up. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm trying to, I'm just thinking like now my brain is like in reminiscent mode and it's like the Sundance episode, the U2 at the Staples Center episode, the ma- multiple episodes at the mansion where they lived, you know, like their house. Right. Being out there, playing ping pong, hanging with the fellas. I probably got, man, I probably got 81 phone numbers from chicks off of it. hanging with Entourage. God, and that's always the most beautiful women on the I show. mean, I'm telling you, shit went really well for those years. Let me ask you, uh, in that same reminiscent mode, what about uh, cameos, like actors or celebrities that you met that you were like, just awesome? Oh, yeah. just, you- First of all, Larry David. I remember the day he worked. I remember Larry David's on set. He says to Doug... I'd never say that. My character would never say that. We got to change that line. Doug is in a little mini panic. Larry David was having a problem making a connection between why he'd be at a basketball game and 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 like why he wouldn't put a phone call into Ari. Like it was some story thing that was hiccup. It was a hiccup. And I remember I said to Doug real quick, I said, yo, just tell him. I forgot what it was like a simple fix. And I was just like, yo, just tell Larry David that he forgot to call Ari. You know, and that's why the mix-up happened. Something like something like that. And then Doug went back and talked to Larry David and fixed it. And Larry David was like, "Okay, I could do that." But I remember watching Doug like handle Larry David. You know, who's not an easy dude, right? And he handled it. I mean, there was Larry David, there was Kanye, mm-hmm. there was Eminem. I remember getting uh, being on set. Eminem got into a. I think he fought like. Johnny Drama, he like punched one of them. He punched Vince because that's like season six. I think it was a season six finale. Vince was all strung out he, at the Hotel Roosevelt, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vince Kevin was going Love, into his dark phase. Kevin Love was there. Yep. Jordan Farmar, I think. Yep. And yeah, so Eminem punches Vinny Chase in the face. Yeah. Oh, who was who's the who's the girl that was there? Uh, Might have been like Jessica Alba. No, I don't. Alba was definitely involved. I remember when she did a couple. Of, she did a couple episodes. Oh, for sure. I'm just thinking about who he was talking noise to in that episode that led him to get punched in the face. Oh, oh, it was uh, Jordana Brewster, I think. Oh, really? I think that's who he was. Who he was talking. He was talking noise to, and then Eminem kind of steps in. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I met a ton of those people, and then we'd always like go to dinner afterwards, and it'd just be like some cool eclectic group. I met Martin Landau. Oh. You know, 
I just, but I tried to like play the back. I didn't like, I never like got in the mix and like really, I would never fuck with the flow of the show. I just learned a lot. I would sit back and just take notes. You know, I would just be like for, listen, Doug is the one who introduced me to the guys from My Man is a Loser. Right. Doug introduced me to them. That's how I got to direct my first movie. So I was just sitting back at Entourage, taking notes, watching how the cameras moved, watching how the directors worked. And they had some badass, high-level directors on that thing. You know, it was no joke. And, and Gary Goldman, watching him first AD that thing, just handling it like a beast. You know what I mean? It was a beast of a show. Yeah, definitely. It, to this day, I think it's their most expensive comedy ever. Really? Oh, yeah. A lot of locations. Oh, man, something that just came to me. I remember Larry Charles talking to HBO on the speakerphone about the opening sequence, and they couldn't figure out what the shot was going to be for the end of the moment when the guys get out of the car. And Larry Charles goes, how about an overhead crane shot? And we see the four guys get out of the wing doors, you know, out of the doors, and we end it like that. And then that's what became the shot. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I remember Doug picking the song. I remember him picking the Jane's Addiction song. He listened to a bunch of different songs, and boom, that was the song he landed on. And I'm not, you know, I don't want to say I was influencing it, but I, <laughs> I remember being in the room for those moments. Those were really, really cool moments. You know, it was just, it's just, yeah, it was cool to be part of an iconic, you know, play the background and just kind of get my knowledge and get my schooling and watching how they casted and watch and getting to know the casting people and stuff. That was all, that was great, you know? And then boom, cut to casting my own shit, running my own ship. And I got to say, I got to give it to my boy for like, just letting me be around for all that time. Cause I learned more than I could ever learn in any film school, in any school in TV production there's just I was in the trenches of the trenches, you know. Yes. And you and you're learning, but you don't even know you're learning. You don't know it till you get on set and you go, oh wait, move here, give me a dolly track, give me a, you know pan this, do that, fix the lighting, and I'm thinking because half the time I'd be thinking, how the hell did I know that? And it's just like knowledge that you pick up through osmosis, being trained just by being there. Yeah, staying ready so you don't have to get ready, just, Mayweather style. Yeah. Yeah, it's, oh man, that show, the way that it just encapsulated Los Angeles. Well, it was a metaphor for friendship. It's just an ana- it's, it's just a universal truth for any group of friends from anywhere that want to become anything. It's about loyalty. It's about friendship. It's about sticking to it because that's the fucking irony of L.A. There's, there's very few people with loyalty. Right. And we have a group of friends. I got a crew, you know, who we, we preach loyalty. And we have loyalty, you know. I don't, I don't fuck around with that. There has to be, you know. There has to be, you know. We don't, I don't stab my friends in the back. And there are people in this business that will claw you and stab you to get over you and through you. Ugh, step over their mother for a credit. Like this is some bizarre thing. Yo, I don't even town. understand that mentality. It kills me. It's really bizarre, man. Because once again, the irony is that if your desire is for fame that's your drive, then you're missing the quality of the content that you're supposed to be doing. But if your drive is create the dopest shit, all the other stuff comes. That's just a law, I believe. You right. know? And I so, believe. So now that 
you know, we're looking back at the show now, and it's been a few years, I think like four years since it went off the air. Now yeah. we're talking movie, and I hope it's super successful. I'm going to see it opening day. I'm not going to the premiere. I got to go play ball tonight. Half the, the game's going to be missing because they're going to the premiere. Did the list show up for the game yet? Oh, yeah. I I got the list. I'm the one running the game. How many dudes are on it for tonight? We got 13. I mean, we the, got 13. the game goes on. The, for sure. The game always goes on. Believe me, there's a tiny part of me that's like, how can I make it to the game and the premiere but it's just it can't happen <laughs> cannot happen yeah uh yeah we're three hours from premiere time that's wild yeah i, I mean but how are you feeling like you have to be obviously f- experiencing a mixed bag of emotions I, I like that we're talking about it so you can you know really get you know get to the core of this this is like almost like a reunion of sorts for you tonight you're gonna this be is huge seeing people you haven't seen in a while i'm so psyched to just like have a slow sip of cocktail first go enjoy the movie because i know it's good i've heard doug, i mean everyone who's seen it doug jerry kevin everyone's very proud of doug it's gonna be good and then to go to the after party i just want to pony up i'm just you know i play the wall right i'm gonna stand still and just talk to people who i haven't seen in years you know, maybe there's some I have seen, but like, yeah, I'm just going to do my single mic shit. Yeah. Just pony up against the wall. I have a couple of my boys around me, a couple hugs, 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 see where the night takes us. You know what I mean? Doug's funny because Doug, Doug will probably end up at Dan Tana's at 12, 15 at night eating a chicken parm and a side of pasta. Yeah. They already had the New York premiere, right? Yeah. Like, it was at- a screening. Yes. Yeah, More than a premiere. It was like a mellow thing. Tonight's going to be kind of crazy, I think. Like yeah. a bigger situation. I think so, too. Well, I mean, if there's enough stories that need to be told from tonight's festivities, then we'll uh, we'll bring it back to the pod. For sure. For sure. This was fun, man. Talking about entre- any other questions about the whole series, or I think an hour is a strong amount. I mean, it's just, I, I really do love the show so much. And I know there's a lot of really uh, faithful fans who are going to be really psyched about this. I hope that the uh, that the following is strong enough that they have to make a sequel. That's yeah. what I'm hoping for. Because it's just, you know, the inside look into the into the industry is always it's what the really... the inside and the inside. I am... Inside of the inside. I'm very excited about seeing... Uh, like whether it's the events in the film on the on the big screen, those were always my favorite moments of Entourage. Whether yeah. you be seeing uh, them watching Aquaman or or Smoke Jumpers or even Medellin, yeah, you know, or in, in the first season Head On, kind of uh-huh. like or Queens Boulevard. Wait, Queens Boulevard was the first one. <laughs> Kidding me? I am Queens Boulevard. <laughs> were you there? Were you sitting in on that one too? Yep. On yep. The- I was in on Queens Boulevard. I was in. Early. Danny A was in the in the pilot. Yeah, yeah. He posted a picture of that today. He, what was Did he? He was a photographer. Yeah, and we were busting his balls, man. Because you know it's funny that Danny's playing a guy that's a photographer, paparazzi, who's like who his whole career he spent pushing away paparazzi. Yeah, I you know from the from the velvet rope. He's gonna be there tonight, right? He's yeah, back, hell he's, yeah. He's back in L.A. Yeah, he's going to meet. He's got a meeting for. Uh, you know, we got distribution on our new movie, a stand up guy. So he's got a meeting with the distributors, and then he's coming from there. Nice. Uh, it's gonna be a good little reunion. You're gonna go to Club Life on Thursday. Yeah, going there. Yeah. Yeah, gonna go to Club Life. That's uh, Danny Abacazar, star and producer of my next movie, a stand-up guy, and uh, yeah, he did a movie called Club Life, which we're gonna go see on Thursday. 
but yeah, man, I could talk for hours about Entourage. My, my, you know, I, I connect with all those dudes on different levels. Like we all have different relationships. Like my wild side and Kevin Dillon's wild side connected often. You know, I had stories about getting beat up and weird, crazy shit happening to me, and he's got the same, similar stories. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, I was beat up in an organized crime situation. He's like, so was I, bro. One time I was sleeping with a girl and her ex-boyfriend <laughs> showed up with a baseball bat. Clipped me twice. I got, hit, I got hit twice in the ribs. I barely made it out alive, young. <laughs> you know, and Jerry, I love who, you know, we've been friends for years now. And like, and Kevin Connolly, bro, that's my brother right there. That's my boy. That's my dog. I've known Connolly forever. And it's just, uh, it's gonna, it should be a fun night. You know what I mean? Just a fun night. Gonna keep my keep my eyes and ears open. Have fun. Give love. It's all about love, bro. Uh, it's gonna be like a time machine. It is. It's gonna be a lot of fun. What I should see. I wear? Should I go sport coat? I don't do sport. I, I gotta go director writer situation. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, because you're gonna you're gonna baseball get flash, hat, flesh on the red carpet. You know, I might get a little red carpet something. I don't really know what to do on the red carpet. I don't, I don't do the red carpet. I just walk past it. Well, you smile. You got you got plenty. You know, people. Realize that uh, you know they've got a writer director in the midst, who's who's been a part of uh, part of things from the beginning. You they only do that if there's like a publicist that knows me that's online. Like I'm not gonna be, you know what I mean? Like I'm not I'm not gonna go. Hey, I'm Mike Young. I got two movies coming. Put me in the thing. Yeah, I don't fucking do that. Oh, there's gonna be so many people there. Is it what that? Oh, you said it's Westwood. Westwood. Tonight? It's the re yeah Regency Theater, and then the after party is like across the way or something like at a. Like another building or theater right around there. Oh, it's going to be a scene. I know what they do at those. I've seen a couple of those. Uh, Premiere yeah, parties? Yeah. The, recently I saw I don't know, Ninja Turtles was there. I went to... Uh, <laughs> this is going to be different than Ninja Turtle premiere. I can basically guarantee it. There'll be a DJ playing. There's going to be supermodels because what's her name's in it? Emily Rajakowski. Uh, what's her name? Is that her name? Yeah, something like that. Emily. Blurred Lines girl. Blurred Lines. Hopefully the whole crew of Blurred Lines will be there. Everybody. That's where I do my best work. Just pony up with the Blurred Lines girls. Let's talk. Where are you guys going at? I'll just invite them all to the comedy store. That's my move. They'll come. Yeah. Let's go to the comedy store after. I'm doing a set. No, I'm not. But I will. In Westwood, you could show them the spot of the original comedy store. Totally. I'll take them to the Westwood Brewery for an open mic night. That spot's not open anymore. They closed I heard it, it is. Nah, they closed it. Unless they reopened it under another name. Some brewery they're still doing open mics at. I don't know what it is. Well, I hope you have a blast tonight. Thanks, Jordy. That was my little entourage tidbit. This is Mike Young. I'll talk to you in a minute. And the next episode, we will talk about how this premiere was. And we'll get back to basketball. And we'll get back to my stories that need to be told. Because... I don't know if anybody's lived as strong out here in a short period of time as I have, but there will be stories to be told, and they range from everything. Sounds like the hits just keep on coming, too. Yeah, let's just keep making hits. You know what I mean? I got my show. I don't even like to talk about the TV stuff we got going on. No, you don't talk about it. We don't need to do it. People will see it. We'll see what's up. They'll see it in the press releases and then on the screen. Yeah, we keep it humble. Keep it humble here at at Mike Young's open mic. You barely talk about the fact that we're like a week away from being locked on picture of a stand-up guy. You don't even talk about your own movie. I'm the worst self-promoter of all time. (laughs) 
Last night, the prettiest girl I've ever seen in my life at the comedy store, she's like, what do you do? Like, what do you do? I, I'm just here just trying to get on stage. That's what I said. <laughs> I'm here trying to get on stage. You know what I mean? Because oh, I'm not that dude, man. I was at the, I, we were at Frankie's party at Hyde the other night. I see this one dude who I've known for years. I'm like, what's up, bro? He's like, yo, I got a two-picture deal over at Relativity. I got one movie coming out. I'm going into production. I'm like, how are you? <laughs> how are you, bro? I don't do that shit, man. I like to keep my shit inside. Unless there's a reason. Yeah, if there's a reason and I'm doing business, let's talk business. But like, if we're just socializing, come on, bro. You don't want to try to brag with me. I'll take your bitch <laughs> while you're bragging. <laughs> Fucking dummies. You know what I mean? Stories that need to be told. Come on, man. All right, Mike Young, Jordan Winter, we're out. We'll see you later. Bye.